Hello and welcome to the Consumer Friend podcast. As you hopefully know by now at Consumer Friend, we believe that everyone should have some knowledge of their rights when they're purchasing goods, services or digital content. So what they're entitled to, what they're not entitled to. You can find loads of information on our website, consumerfriend.org.uk. We are constantly adding new content to the website in terms of Trained in Two, where you can understand your rights on topics in just two minutes. There are plenty of fun videos and TikToks. We're getting quite good at the TikToks now, I think. Um, Adam still hasn't really done one. Uh, but you can also find our podcasts on the website as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible and all good podcast providers. So today I am here with Louise. It's just me and Lou today. We don't have Adam with us. Um, how are you today, Louise? I am all right, thanks, Soph. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm I'm all right. I'm a bit tired. It's the end of the week, isn't it? It's a Sunday. We're recording the podcast together. It's been quite a busy weekend so far. But I'm all right. I'm doing good. It's nice to be here with you. I don't think we've done a podcast on our own yet. Oh, uh, no, we did the one, didn't we, with um, Ben from Trustmark. We did that one together with Ben as well. But we haven't just done one just not the just, two of us. Not just you and I. Girls, day out. <laughs> as well Adam would be here but he was supposed to be running the Richmond Marathon today wasn't he but then it got cancelled because of the beautiful Queen passing away so he's uh still he's still gone but he hasn't been able to do his marathon which is a real shame for him yeah really sad we're really gutted for him because he'd put in so many weeks of training unlike us who got the London Marathon in 21 days, Sophie, 21 days. This, this, yeah, this, so this, time in, this time in three weeks, we will be pounding the streets of London. We'll be finished, I hope, by now. <laughs> <laughs> in the pub. I hope, I hope I've got a pint in my hand by now. Actually, that's what I want to be happening by this time in three weeks' time. Yeah, if, if not at the end, at least midway around the course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> right. So today's podcast is all about consumer vulnerability. Um, big topic, lots of things to discuss. Um, very relevant right now in the, the in the situation that we're in in the world with cost of living crisis and even the Queen dying. I think lots of people are feeling yeah. really sad and vulnerable right now. So... I- it's going to have an impact to the Queen dying. There, there was a lot of stuff and um, some lots of emails about people needing additional support because of it, because it's all people have ever known as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Big change. Big change for society and for our country. So, yeah, um, I've had conversations with people about that this week where they've said that, you know, they, they feel like quite down and sad. And so, yeah, and I'm sure there will be lots of criminals that want to play on that and are opportunistic with that as well. So mm-hmm. everyone should watch out. So, okay, consumer vulnerability. Talk to me, Louise. What is it? What does it mean? What is it about? Well, we're uh, so old school consumer vulnerability. So historically, and especially in the work that we we do um, in our day jobs around scams as well, um, old people have always been seen as vulnerable. Mm. Um, And uh, people make assumptions about consumer vulnerability. So, for example, if you've got a disability or um, you're over 80 there was always you were always sort of labeled that those people are definitely vulnerable um it's changed over the last 
well, I'd probably say five to ten years, it's changing and it's changing even more now around the fact that sort of the way that that we talk about is the two broad types of vulnerabilities and they're so situational. So something that's happening around you can make you vulnerable or marketplace. So something mm-hmm. that you've got to buy or something you've got to do or access makes you vulnerable in that space. So like buying a new house or a funeral plan, because these are like one-off purchases yeah. we don't do all the time, which can make you marketplace vulnerable. As you sort of said at the beginning, with the cost of living crisis, the political instability, the war, covid all of those things, there's lots more situations that can make people far more situationally vulnerable than before. And it's not static. So once you're vulnerable, like if I'm vulnerable today, because say, for example, the Queen or because uh, I've got a big bill that I didn't know that was coming in my direction and that makes me situationally vulnerable or I've had a relationship breakdown, I might not be vulnerable tomorrow. So it's it's not static, it's fluid. We move in and out of periods of vulnerability and I think it's really important we don't label people as vulnerable because I always think that's like telling a toddler that they're tired or telling a drunk person they're drunk. You automatically go into defensive mode, which is a bit because it's quite disempowering. It's really disempowering. And it's it, you're tarring everyone with the same brush. You're just saying you're a vulnerable person. And that is, like you say, completely disempowering because we can all be vulnerable at any point in time. It can, it can be today, but not tomorrow. And I also think we talk about vulnerability. It's always about uh, something negative might have happened in your life, but you can be vulnerable through positive things happening, positive change. You know, not necessarily all the bad things. Getting married, hopefully, you want to get married. Well, I don't want to get married <laughs> um, again. Thanks very much. Once, once, no. was, once, once was enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, maybe it'll never happen for me. I think I've seen too many people saying once is enough, harder, never again. Far harder to get unmarried than it is to get married, dude. Coming coming from one that knows. <laughs> So, yeah, it could come from positive things. So it's, it's really important to be aware that we're not looking to talk about all the bad things that are going on in the world. It could be something's really good for you. Buying a house, exciting, massive milestone in people's lives, but also exceptionally stressful and can create that vulnerability, especially if you've never done it before. Like when I had to buy a new, get, get a new car uh, last I year. I remember that. And I wanted I a hybrid. That. Yeah. Oh, I, I was like breaking out into hot sweats at points in time because I didn't know what I was doing. Like I didn't understand the, the technology and the terms and you're completely reliant on traders to tell you these things. And of course, it's in their best interest to make things look uh, shiny and exciting and easy to understand. But I didn't know how, how many miles I was going to get out of a charge or what I needed to do. Could I charge it at home? How much would it cost me? Is it going to, you know, going to make your money back from it? So it's complicated. But that's marketplace as well, because you're trying to make decisions based on imperfect information and your first time to that marketplace. So actually it's not, so you're not going to learn about a hybrid car if you're not going to buy one. It's not something that we haven't got, Mm -hmm. we haven't got space in our brains to hold onto loads of information we don't need at the time. That was a marketplace vulnerability. When I got divorced, I was situationally vulnerable. And I don't think we recognise sometimes our own vulnerability when we are vulnerable. It's sort of after the event, when we reflect back, you go, oh, made some choice decisions there that I wouldn't make today. Yeah, like I always, I find that I refer to that as stress. I'm just stressed, Mm. but not vulnerable. So I use that a lot. Oh, you're right, Sophie. You know, are you doing okay? Are things okay? Yeah, I'm just stressed. At the moment, actually, no, I'm, the stress means that I'm in a period of vulnerability. Same for me when my long term relationship came to an end. Flipping heck, I'm about to move back home, I'm still here with my mother. And uh, 
slept in a bunk bed. I wanted to come. I beds. wanted to come and sleep in that bunk bed with you. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, when I when I got rid of the bunk beds, I was quite sad because I felt really consumed and safe and safe in my in bunk, bunk bed. bed on your bottom bunk. Amazing. It's, yeah. No, it's it's so it's all those different situations that make us vulnerable. And again, it's so it's similar to stuff. So when we used to do like a proper job as trading standards officers when we did when we worked before, safeguarding was something that we would do to people. We would safeguard people from rogue traders, or we would safeguard people from scams or, or whatever we were doing. And actually, it's the most disempowering thing to do because you're labelling somebody as vulnerable, and you're expecting them to self-identify that at the time, and then you're taking away all of their autonomy by doing something think to them where actually by sort of changing the definitions around consumer vulnerability being we can all be vulnerable it's fluid it's dynamic we move in and out of periods of it so for example the the fca talk about 50 percent of um, all consumers showing a having a situation around them that could make them vulnerable and that was a 20 2018 figure that was pre-pandemic as well 2018 who who are the fca uh, financial conduct authority sorry all of that t Plain English, absolutely. Mm. Uh, they're the regulator for the financial sector. Um, yes. So it, it's it's around, we, if we all recognise that we can be vulnerable at times and we move in and out of periods of it, and if you think about coming our, in our direction now, uh, the knock-on effects of the pandemic in relation to people's mental health, we're not, we don't really know what that yep. looks like yet. That, like, what is it, one in four people um, have a mental health um, report having some sort of depression or anxiety during the course of a week? Yeah, we yeah, all and have, the, we all have periods of mental health. Absolutely, and the the statistic about people that suffer from uh, mental health dying fifteen to twenty years earlier than those who don't. Yep. That 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 figure blows my mind. Well, it's also like we were talking about the other day. Eight million, so the one point six million people are on wait NHS waiting list for mental health support, but there's eight million people that can't even get on a waiting list. Mm. So these are people that have gone. I need help. These aren't the people that actually aren't going, I need help. These are the people that are going, I need help, but there isn't any help for them. So if you think we were, so for example, if I had to, if I was having a situation where my mental health wasn't particularly good, which there's been times where it hasn't been, and I've got to make a big decision, like I've got a remortgage or like you did, buy a hybrid car or have some work done on my house. I might not make the best decisions and get the best outcomes for me. I might not get the mm-hmm. best deal that I get for myself because of that vulnerability. So there's there's a bit more um, emphasis on businesses and people supporting consumers to understand the different consumer vulnerability so that consumers get a better deal, especially with all the stuff like low confidence from consumers at the moment and the fact that uh, everybody's getting a bit litigious, I think. Everybody's trying to sue everyone all of the time because everybody's so stressed out because of cost of living. Yeah, agree. And it does come down to businesses providing services that are inclusive inclusive design if you design all of your services or your products or whatever with those vulnerabilities at the heart of it it will benefit everyone which is why like for us and i'm not blowing it's it's our podcast so i can talk about us so our trained in two and our sort of plain english approach to things my my children can understand it because the average mm-hmm. reading age of a UK consumer is 12. So yeah. we need to be providing information to people so they can make good choices or the right choice for that good, good sub, uh, subjective word, isn't it? The, the right choices for them so they get the best outcomes depending on where they are in their vulnerability journey. Absolutely. We don't want exclusion. 
So what do what so what does that mean for consumers? So I'm a consumer and I know that I'm in a period of vulnerability. You might not recognise it. I might not, but say, but say I have, say I do, say I know I've got depression, mm-hmm. say I'm suffering from something. I know I listen to this podcast and I go away and I think, I know I'm, I'm suffering, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm having a tough time. What, what advice can we give to consumers that recognise that they're in a period of vulnerability? What advice can we give to them in order to make sure that they are able to get what they need when interacting with businesses or with anyone really? But the the first thing is, if people feel comfortable, I would share it. I would share that vulnerability with whoever you're dealing with. And I know, like, not everybody's comfortable talking about their stuff. Um, we are. We're quite comfortable with it. And not everybody is because there feels there's a shame element around it, isn't it? Because people view vulnerability as a weakness. It's not a weakness at all. Because then, actually, if you explain your situation to whoever you've got to deal with from a business perspective, you're going to get a better deal. You're going to have a better relationship, and they're going to make allowances for that vulnerability and support you. Well, they should do if they're a good business anyway. They really should do. That yeah, would be the first is- thing. There is quite a lot of support out there for, from businesses. We might talk about what businesses can do better, but I know that there are, like you say, good businesses out there that will support you. Banks, for instance, have got many, many mechanisms in place to support you if you're struggling with debt, if you've got mental health issues and you're struggling with your money. If you talk about it, you can access better quality services from these businesses so yeah i agree or and or if you can don't make those big decisions when you know you're vulnerable wait until you're not because we might not make the best decisions for ourselves like for me for example when i bought counterfeit goods when i was vulnerable because i was going through my divorce at that time and i made a rash decision so i wasn't thinking straight but you didn't know you were vulnerable so again you can't then go, I won't buy Christmas presents because, do you know what, I'm vulnerable right now because I'm stressed, so I won't do it just in case I make a mistake. Sometimes it's about recovery Yeah. afterwards, isn't it? So well, I would what, say... what made me more vulnerable in that space was my daughter at the time informing me that they were counterfeit goods and isn't this what, <laughs> I, isn't this what you do for a job, Mum? <laughs> but at least, at least you taught her. Because she'd watched all the videos that I'd sent her saying, watch these so, I don't, so you can spot fake goods. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> But then there's like the recovery. So then the other part of that is I know how to get redressed. So I know how to get my money back because it's what I do for a job. And I know how the right words to use and and the right channels to go down. So sometimes people are really vulnerable in relation to redress because they don't know how to access the redress systems. They don't know how to Mm -hmm. complain or they don't like the confrontation or they feel that it's a confrontation. So you can get that vulnerability in getting, getting your problem resolved as well. Oh, absolutely. If you've got anxiety and you have to go and deal face to face with somebody to complain about something, people with anxiety much prefer to deal with chatbots, email, online communication, because that face to face can feel so confrontational, which might mean that you go, I won't deal with it. I'll just leave it be. So you're losing out as a consumer. You're losing out on getting your money back. You're losing out on feeling better, fixing a, a situation that might be you know, stressful for you. You're losing out. Well, that's that. So, if you think about people on prepayment meters at the moment, they're they're limited mm-hmm. as in who their suppliers can be. You also think about how lots of people are going to be suffering from recent bereavements from COVID and actually still dealing with that. And actually, that that makes people situationally vulnerable as well because and bereavement and and death is something we all deal with in our own ways, really subjectively. So, you could be vulnerable for a long time after that. 
in that situation. So <laughs> it's loads of different, it's so fluid and dynamic, but we can all be vulnerable. But I think it's just really important that we talk about it as well, because the more we talk about this sort of stuff, the, the more we take away that shame element of it. Because like you say, yeah. some people don't recognise they're vulnerable at the time. They, they don't understand that vulnerability. Like I know there's been times where I've been vulnerable. You've recognised it. <laughs> I might not have. Um, yeah. And it's how how do we get through those those situations? So our advice to consumers is firstly, see, share. Yep. Top tip, share. If yep. you can, if you feel able to, share. Tell people, talk about what you're going through. Tell people what you need as a result of what you're going through. So if it means that you need a different style of communication, if you need time, etc., tell people because that will hopefully be something that you'll get offered from a business and will support you. What what else? Anything else? It's asking for things in a different like as well. We, we sometimes get uh, embarrassed when we don't understand something that somebody's told us. Um, I always think of it like this, and you probably heard me say this before. So if you know, like I can I, because I'm so short, I can lip read quite well. That's spending too much time in pubs and nightclubs. But it's when somebody says something in your ear and you go, "You what?" or "Pardon." By the third time, you get embarrassed, so you can't go, "You what?" or "Pardon." So then, what happens is you go, "Yeah," and when somebody goes really you're like what have I just said yes to <laughs> yeah it's like that and we need to so we shouldn't be we shouldn't be embarrassed to say look actually can you I don't understand that word or I, I don't can you change the way that you're 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 relaying that sentence to me because I don't understand the information you're providing me so that doesn't necessarily mean you go in do you know what I don't feel mentally very well today or I've just like my dad's just died or I'm just getting divorced so I might be vulnerable that's just going I'm not understanding what you're giving me can I have more time can you print it in a font 16 with more white space on the page it's mm-hmm. those, those sort of things that actually we should be able to ask and it's also like for for us and for everybody it's about that empathy sympathy and empathy if we can it gives people permission to talk about it if we can empathize with people and their situations then actually then it gives people permission which takes away that shame element which means then people are more likely to communicate effectively and get a much better outcome whatever decision mm-hmm. they're making mm-hmm. absolutely okay so share uh share always share so overshare if you can oh. i love an overshare <laughs> bloody love it no, you <laughs> You? No, never. I would never have thought of all the years of knowing you. I've never seen you overshare, ever. <laughs> like the man at the bus stop is like, I'm just waiting for the bus. Why is she telling me everything? <laughs> I get on a train with Louise, everyone that's listening. I get on a train with Louise and Louise will have made 10 new train friends. Now, everyone's life stories by the end of the train journey. I'm on the other side of the train. I've disassociated myself <laughs> with her from her at this point in time I've got my headphones in I'm probably eye rolling because Louise is then going to excitedly tell me about everybody's lives when we get off the train and all the friends she's met definitely you never know who you might meet I've, lo- I've met <laughs> loads of good train people like you never know what you might learn I love it love it yeah don't do the trains yeah. as much anymore now which is really annoying so my train friend black book is less <laughs> so it's just all the friends that you've made down the the local shops in the old shops, town in Eastbourne yeah. Yeah, the other, the, the, the other thing that we that is um, causing quite a lot of 
vulnerability is this sort of digital exclusion. And what I mean by that is we're expecting every, especially during the like March 2020, 88,000 new websites sprung up in the first month. Mm-hmm. And we were then told, you don't go out, you've got to do everything online. And if you mm-hmm. think for older people who aren't necessarily vulnerable because they're old, but there are reasons why you could be vulnerable because of age, like so things like dementia or cognitive decline, those things. But you expect... I think the the latest statistic on this was that only 47% of over 75s have got Wi-Fi in their own homes. So they can't access things like we can. Where do they get their information from, which makes them vulnerable? And then also you have older people tend to go like, I'm sticking to what I know. So therefore they're not, they might not, shop around or go online to do those things then they might not get the best deal for them at that particular time it's like me I've never changed my bank account I don't know why I like I feel like I don't want to I feel that's too scary to change and I know that's ridiculous I've had the same bank account like we've been with the same bank for like nearly 30 years Mm -hmm. and I could change it and get a better deal but what if they mess up my direct debits what if I don't like the app yeah. Now, that's ridiculous, but that's a marketplace vulnerability, isn't it? There's a fear of, of that. And actually, with the digital, with everybody expecting to do everything online, you exclude a lot of people from that. And that makes them vulnerable to not getting the best deal for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's lots to this, isn't there? There's yeah. lots of parts of this jigsaw puzzle of consumer vulnerability, but it's very much about people knowing that, you know, like we said, it's not calling people vulnerable i think that's the most important thing mustn't call people vulnerable it's a fluid vulnerability is fluid just to reiterate people move in and out of periods of vulnerability have self-awareness of the fact that you might be feeling stressed one day and that could be masking vulnerability could be vulnerability and if so make sure that you share that with businesses if you're engaging in services or buying things or whatever it might be that you're doing as a consumer and I think our last top tip, actually, kind of just to bring this back to top tips is, I think you said it earlier, about seeing vulnerability as a superpower. Yep. Ask for what you need and share your superpower. I think the more we talk about it, the more it, like I say, it gives people permission. It is, vulnerability is a superpower in every sense, in every sense. That's something you taught me though, Soph, to be fair. Really? Yeah. Oh, look at us having a little loving, a little podcast loving just to close. We're going to close on a Sophie and Lou, a loopy loving is Love what we're going to close on. Yes, absolutely. We both t- taught each other a lot about vulnerability and this superpower thing is a really beautiful way of framing it. So we don't see it as a negative connotation that we're feeling vulnerable in a period of vulnerability or marketplace vulnerable it's a superpower it's going to teach us and other people around us a lot of things we're experts by experience if we have um, a degree of vulnerability or have been through a situation that makes us vulnerable it means that we can talk to other people and support other people and how to businesses our friends our work colleagues on how to do things differently to make sure that we can consider vulnerability and reframe it and build inclusive services and everything will be inclusive for people which means everyone benefits so we've got superpowers. I think that's what we've learned today. We have. This is good. 
This is exciting. All right. So on that note as well, there is some more information around consumer vulnerability on the website. If anybody wants to talk to us about that, just drop us an email. We'll, we will happily talk to you about it. So it's on consumerfriend.org.uk. Um, there's some additional guidance on that. Uh, we've also, as Safe said at the beginning, we're getting better at the TikToks. Adam's still calling it TikTok, so that's why he hasn't done a video. Uh, we're getting better at promotional, uh, the, the TikTok stuff and sharing some of our content around consumer vulnerability to make people more aware of it so yeah have a look at the website follow us on the social media channels we will get adam featuring at some point i'm sure um and <laughs> enjoy the rest of your weeks yeah enjoy the rest of your weeks and we'll we'll catch you for the next podcast thank you for listening thank everyone you. bye-bye bye